When the Jewish people heard the term bread, they would have thought, especially in the time of Jesus, about the wilderness wandering. As they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness and God provided for them each day, with the exception of the Sabbath, because he provided double on the day before, he provided for them bread. Now, not in a loaf form like we see it here. No, it was manna. It was bread from heaven. And they would go out each day and they would collect these flakes of bread. But there was always enough. There was always a sufficient amount. And so we can understand the the Jewish mindset as they thought about bread, they would think of Moses, they would think of wilderness, they would think of manna, God's miraculous provision for them. Now, we just shared in the Lord's Supper. A little bit different image, right? As Jesus took the bread, something they were used to, and gave it brand new meaning. He broke the bread, and he gave it to each of them, and he said, this this is my body given for you. And so for us, bread has a little bit different meaning. But in the story we're going to look at in just a moment, the Lord's Supper hadn't happened. And so those with the Jewish mindset, when they're thinking about bread, they're still thinking about Moses. They're still thinking about manna. They're still thinking about the wilderness. And so... We're going to look in John chapter 6 in just a moment. We're not going to read the entirety of it. Let me encourage you. Uh, I, I know I say this often, but we're, we're selecting some verses out of John chapter 6. I think it would be very, very helpful for you to find some time today or tomorrow to go back and read the entirety of John chapter 6. That, is, that, is a, that chapter is absolutely packed full. And it'll be a blessing to you if you'll go back and do that. So we're going to look in just a few moments at John chapter 6, verses 25 to 35. But let me, let me give you, uh, let me set the table, so to speak. Here's what's happened. Jesus has gone with his disciples up onto a hillside in order to teach. And as they sit there, Jesus looks out, his disciples look out. And what they see is a large crowd, a multitude of people who are coming to them. Now, as you go back and you read in, uh, in chapter 6, you discover that this crowd is over 5,000 men plus women and children. So who, we, don't, we don't know the exact figure. Is it 6,000? Is it 7,000? Is it 10,000? We really don't know. But we know, it's a, we know it's a lot of people who are all coming to Jesus as and the disciples as they're sitting there on the hillside. Now, again, I'm not going to read the entire thing. Make a long story short, uh, Jesus decides to feed them all. And he does so with five loaves, probably something about the size of this half a loaf I've had here. What we would find is a, a dinner roll on our plate. Five loaves and two dried fish. Now you think, let me do the math here. Let's just say they're 5,000. Let's just, just forget the, the women and children. Let's just say, hey, they ate at home and they're not eating now. Let's just say 5,000. 
So you've got five small loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men. Now, if they're hungry, they've got a pretty good appetite. Five loaves and two fish are like an appetizer. And yet, as we read through, we discover not only did they get fed, they got filled. They got more than enough. They got as much as they wanted to eat from five loaves and two fish. It was a miraculous provision on the part of Jesus. And in fact, if you read, you'll discover that not only did the people eat all they want, that the disciples were sent out to pick up the leftovers and there were 12 basketfuls left over. Now, these people had heard about Jesus. They'd probably seen Jesus do some great things. But this was astounding. As Jesus is standing there with a small lunch bag, a small lunch basket, and is able to feed over 5,000 people as much as they wanted and have more left over than he started with. Now, the people were excited. They were impressed. They decided right then and there, this dude ought to be our king. I mean, he comes through with the food. He is the free lunch king, and we want him on the throne because we'll never go hungry again. And so they conspired to make him king. Jesus said, hey, time's not right. He left. He went up into the mountains, let things calm down a bit. He, 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 he went away. And when his disciples had got everything settled down and sent the people off, they got into their boat and they began to sail across the Sea of Galilee to a different spot. Now, in the midst of this, John chapter 6 is so good. In the midst of this, the sea starts getting really, really choppy. And then the waves start really, really rolling. It was rough. And they were straining against the oars, straining against the oars, trying to make progress. In the midst of all this, guess what? They see Jesus coming to them, not in another boat, but walking on water. Now, I'm going to let you read the rest of it, okay? Good stuff there. Fast forward. Now, they are in their location. They are they're on the other side. They are settled down, doing their thing. The people discover Jesus and his disciples aren't here, so they hop in their boats. They go and pursue him. They're coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. The multitudes are on their way back. Hey, it's a new day. I'm ready for another free lunch. And they're ready. They're, they're there. They're prepared to receive this physical blessing, this miracle from Jesus. And that's where we're going to pick up this morning in chapter 6, verse 25. If you'll read with me in God's word, John chapter 6, begin reading in verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? They didn't know about the walking on water thing. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Here Jesus is revealing their motivation. You're looking for me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're, you're, you're coming after me because you want another free lunch. Do not work for food, he says, that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Of him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. 
And then they ask, what, we, what must we do to do the, the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So they ask him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Hang on. Didn't he just feed five, six, ten thousand people with a picnic basket? Didn't he just do that yesterday? What are you going to do for us today? They're asking. What sign will you give us? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What are they asking for? Listen, we will follow you if you'll feed us every day. If you'll provide this free bread on a daily basis for us, we'll follow you. We we, kind of like that deal. And Jesus said to them, I'll tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And who believes in me will never be thirsty. The people came looking for someone who would give them free bread. They came looking for a guy like Moses. I don't think they'd have really wanted Moses, but they liked the fringe benefits of a guy like Moses. That he would go out and and be their protector. They're looking for that kind of a guy. They wanted Jesus to be that kind of a guy for them. But Jesus is trying to change their minds about what they really need. Have you ever had a child come up to you and go, I need, fill in the blank, okay? I need these shoes. I need these pants. I need whatever it is. I need. Well, you're their parent. You know they don't need that. They want that. You know what they need and you give them what they need. But Jesus is trying to correct their idea of what it is they think they need. They thought they needed another Moses who provided bread for them every day. Jesus wasn't here to do that. Jesus was not going to be another Moses. He wasn't going to be another David. He wasn't going to be the kind of Messiah they wanted him to be, the kind of king they wanted him to be. This is what he says. I am the bread of life. You guys, you were here yesterday. You got not just a mouthful. You got as much as you wanted. And you think that's what I'm here for. But I'm telling you what I'm here for. I'm the bread of life. I, I am. Not what you ate yesterday. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm the bread of life. 
Let's consider just a moment what that means. And again, I really don't have the full the time to delve into the fullness of this. So I encourage you as much as possible, dig into it. See what God has to say to you in his word. Bread was the main component of the Jewish meal. It was sometimes all they had to eat. And if there, was a, 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 if there were a severe drought and the wheat and the barley crops failed, then there would very likely be starvation in the near future. Bread was essential for life in Jesus' time. What Jesus wanted them to know was that just as the bread was essential for physical life, Jesus is essential for spiritual life. He is the bread of life. And it's a different kind of, it's not just physical. The people could starve physically when they didn't have physical bread. But what Jesus was saying is, apart from me, there is spiritual starvation and death. So the people came looking for physical food. But Jesus offered them something greater, something better, something higher, something eternal. Also, I want you to notice in here that Jesus is making quite an astounding claim that sometimes gets lost on us when we just go through and we, we read the passage. This is the first of the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the gate. He, a number of I am statements. And you go, well, it's a big deal. I say I am. That, there's no significance to that. To his audience, there would be great significance. If you thumb, thumb back all the way in your Bible to the encounter where Moses meets God at the burning bush and God tells him he, to, he wants him to go to Egypt to be the instrument through which the, his people are set free. And, and Moses asks, okay, when the people ask me, who sent you, who sent me to you? Who do, what do I say? And God said, God gave to Moses his covenant name. He said, I am that I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. We, you often see that translated as the Lord or as Yahweh. I am. What is God saying about himself in that? God's saying that he is eternally in the present tense and that he is eternally present. I mean, we could talk about what God did in the past. We can talk about what God will do in the future. But God is eternally in the present tense. Time is of no consequence to God. For us, our lives are dictated and confined by time. But God is no captive to time. He created time. He is eternally present and eternally in the present and is eternally present with us. And when Jesus began to use the term, I am, now I'm not sure everybody got it there. Everybody understood. But what he was doing was beginning in these series of statements. Jesus was beginning to claim deity. He was beginning to stake his claim that he was God. And even if all those people didn't get it, a little bit later, the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And because they did, they wanted him dead. But there's something else I want you to see here. 
When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, what we also see is that Jesus is inviting people to come to him and to believe in him. He wanted to change their thinking about both what they needed and about who he was. Jesus didn't merely come as a prophet. He didn't come merely as someone to set up a physical kingdom or to meet their physical needs. He didn't come as the Messiah that they thought he was. Jesus came to be their savior. And to say I am the bread of the life, bread of life points forward to the communion table, points forward to the last supper. When Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. I am the bread of life. And he invited people to give up their misconceptions about who the Messiah was. Their misconceptions about what it is that they thought they needed to give all that up. And to embrace who he truly was. Who would meet their deepest needs. Did some believe and accept? Absolutely. But if you go on down in John chapter 6. What you see is. Not everybody did. And in fact at this point. Multitudes began to turn their backs and walk away. This is what it says. John chapter 6, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. When God challenges you with truth, when you come face to face with the reality of what it is that you need compared to what it is that you want, when you come face to face with the reality of who God is, who Jesus is, rather than who you want him to be, it is at that point where you're faced with a decision. Will I accept Jesus for who he is and give up making him, trying to make him into who I want him to be? Will I accept that what I think I need, what I want, maybe isn't what I really need. That what I really need is a Savior who died for me on a cross. I don't need that car. I don't need that house. I don't even need to be deliriously happy in life. What I need is a God who loved me and a Savior who died for me. What I need is to have my sins washed away. What I need is the real Jesus. And you see, the invitation that God, that Jesus extended to the people as they, as they gathered there wanting more bread, the invitation was simple. Come and believe. Come and believe 
And do you know that God's invitation has not changed since then? It is the same invitation that he extends to you this morning. Come and believe. Why should you do that? I'll give you just a couple of reasons and we're going to pray. You should come and believe because actually there's nowhere else to go. In this life, there are many things that offer promises of, of fulfillment. There's many things that offer promises of happiness. And some of those things come through to a certain extent. But many times, you're disappointed. Like when you saw the, the Ginsu knives on television and you picked up the phone and you said, yes, I'll make four easy payments of 1995 in order to have these miracle knives in my home. And you get them there, and they're not exactly the way they showed them on TV. And you're disappointed. Well, let me tell you, when in this world, no matter what it is that you have, and no matter how much of it that you have, it will never be what you really need. Only Jesus can be. The second thing I'd like to share with you is this. Many of us have in our minds a picture of who God is, a picture of who Jesus is, but when you hold it up against whom God has revealed himself to be and who Jesus is on the pages of these, uh, this Bible, your image doesn't line up. You're believing in a Jesus who isn't even real. You're believing in a magician. You're believing in a, a, you know, a prophet. You're believing in a, a bread provider. I challenge you to come face to face with the real Jesus because it's only the real Jesus who can save. Come and believe. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. If you'll come, Spiritually, you'll never be hungry. If you'll believe spiritually, you'll never be thirsty. In other words, you will be satisfied. And we discover that Jesus is more than enough. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for this word, for this truth. We thank you for its power. We thank you for its beauty we thank you for your glory and we thank you lord that nothing i say will change a soul but what you do will change people forever and so lord if you were calling men and women young people if you're calling them to come and believe then i pray lord that nothing nothing will hold them back for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.